Okay. <coughs> we are in Parak Shalakala, uh, Parak Shani, at the end of Ois Dalit, Paragraph Dalit. So he has been saying that in order that Hashem's plan should come to fruition, that there should be opportunity for good and for bad, for Shlemus and for Chisara. So it's not enough to just have a Bria that will be able to make the choice. He has to have an environment in which to make the choice. And that environment, as will be somewhat explained going forward, now obviously not, he's not going to be able to explain in detail why every spider exists, and why every plant exists, and why every you know, the cloud exists, but in general it requires, um, that require, environment requires a many, many features in order that all the many types of shlemos that exist, one or at least the ones that Hashem wants and understands are important in order to be able to connect to Him in the greatest way possible, should be, pop, should be uh, something that we can do. So, if there's one means of connecting to Hashem, which is by shaking a luluf, so then there has to be lululavim, which would have to be, you know, and Adasim and Arabis, and all the entire ecosystem that leads to such things. If there's a mitzvah of tzedakah, so that, as we mentioned last week, they have to be poor people, they have to be rich people, have to be, there has to be a concept of an economy and uh, uneven distribution of wealth and the factors that lead to such things. Um, right? Uh, one of my children, was you? I don't know. Uh, they had a discussion in class about uh, what, the most, was you, right? what the most important inventions were. So it's unquestionable that the most important invention in history was the plow, and it completely changed world history until Noach invented the plow. Uh, there were no big cities. Because there couldn't be big cities. The, it was so hard to get enough food out of the ground. You just barely managed to eke out an existence for you, yourself, and Uli, some of the small children in your family who couldn't yet contribute to the... And therefore, everyone lived on this little homestead, you know, a family, maybe a, a slightly extended family. There, there couldn't be anyone who didn't do those things because there wasn't... There was no one... There's no way to feed them. I didn't have any surplus to be able to give to a plumber. Certainly not to someone who engaged in entertainment, a minstrel, you, you couldn't do it, it wasn't shy. And it's not a coincidence that when, in the same generation, when Naif invented the plow, all of his brothers-in-law, right, one invented a new form of shepherding, and one invented weapons, and one invented musical instruments, because these things became possible once there was more food to be had, and people had extra food. And now I could say, look, instead of you spending your entire day planting, you do something else. You'll fix the plow, you'll heal the goat that gets sick, you'll walk around playing, singing songs about, you know, interesting things to, to, you know, to keep us busy at night, whatever it is, and I'll give you some of my surplus food. And once there were enough people who didn't have to have a farm with all the land that has to surround the farm, so they said, why should the plumber and the and the veterinarian and all the other people be spread far apart, let them all be clumped in one area. And that's the rise of cities. And then you start with Nimrod and etc. The whole city thing starts after that time. But all these, you know, that, that it, as long as there were people like that, they're really, it would be very hard. The only type of poor person would be someone who was, uh, you know, let's say a cripple or, or someone who couldn't work the land. So he would have to be supported by others. But to ask them to do so is almost life and death because it's very, you know you can support one or two people that way, but not mass wholesale you know family can support 
a individual that way. But to have a mamish, a, a big chesed apparatus, you need, you need cities. And you need to have, when you have cities, you can have a lot of poor people. And then having a lot of wealthy people with a lot of surplus supporting them. So, the Chahina Rabbis, that creates the multitude and multiplicity of not just many people, but many other things other than just people, and all the systems interconnected that we see in the world today. However, once you have all those different things, it becomes hard to identify then what's the, which one is the point. There's so many moving parts, it's hard anymore to put, if there's only one Bria in the world, it's clear that, okay, that's the point. But here, where there's so many moving parts, how can we identify which one is the main part? I, I've worked in, um, in many, uh, many, a bunch of camps over now in my life, and uh, there's an there's a issue, it's not just in camps, it's in other institutions also that comes up. People forget what the point of the institution is. So, for example, um, you know, when I was a division head, and it once started draining very badly, so we needed to get everyone into some place, so the only room, the only building that was big enough was the dining room. So we said, okay, everyone to the dining room. And everyone went and ran to the dining room, and the doors were locked. So we said, open the doors. So there's a bunch of people. They said, no, now is when we mop the floors. We're like, open the doors now. We're like, no, now is when we mop the floors. All right? I said, why do you mop the floors? You mop the floors so we can have clean floors, so we can have a good camp. This is the camp. Hello, Iker Tuffel, don't get confused. All right, but one, when, you know, you're, you're the head of the custodial engineers, and this becomes your fiefdom, and that's where you put your attention, and, and it becomes its own importance. So what is that thing that is the real purpose, that everything else with all its relative importance, but gains its importance because it serves this thing? The one that is the purpose, the Hainu, to be dovok b'Hashem, as we mentioned, he tikra is the tikra ha'ikris. That bria will be the main one. Shebechol ha'bria of all the other creations. The chol she'ar mash yimsum imetzias. Anything else that you find in existence, everything else that you find in existence. Lo ye elo oizer be'ezul tzad oy be'ezul mechina is only because it serves that higher purpose. The purpose of that bria, in some way, that's sad. Now, the, the, in, in um, let's say in Kasidish Svarim, the word bechina is used uh, in English. You touch an aspect. Um, so this is the bechina of that. It's, it falls into a certain category. It's acting in a certain way. Uh, in the Rishonim, you find uh, let's say the Sharha bechina in 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 Chavzavavos. Uh, it doesn't mean aspect. It means uh, to think about something and to look and take lessons and to understand from the world. So when, when one examines the world, so let's say examination would probably be, or a lesson, something like that. Musahasa would be the, the taisha of the word bechina. I'm not, I don't have any raya to how he's using it. Um, it's, to me, it seems more likely that he is using it the way that the Chavzavavos uses it. And that is that there are some things that are there because they actively allow us to do our job. So let's say, why did Hashem put gold into the earth? Because gold makes the world go round, right? There's a lot of things that run around gold, and therefore Hashem put it there. 
Why did Hashem have to put a star way out in the boondock someplace and deep in the heavens and so many of them? So, you know, just um, you know, without getting into uh, cosmology and then age of the world and that sort of stuff, Kefi Hanir Leinayim, the way that worlds like ours come to exist and, and all the heavy metals and everything like that is because stars blow up and eventually that becomes the fuel, right? And, that may be one shot in how you explain that Hashem destroyed worlds and want to build this world. It's not, again, whether yes or no, so there may be an aspect of it that's actual used in order to, to for us. But, but in a more general sense, how many a man has gone out in a starry night, in the days when you were actually able to see the heavens, and looked up and been awed by the stars, look up, and see, me bara that used to be a way that people inspired themselves to when you know when when um, the pettiness of the world overwhelmed you, you would go out into a field with nothing on the horizons and just look up and be blown away by the vastness of the universe, the tremendous creative ability of Hashem, and be refreshed that you know all these um, things, you know, how the bar mitzvahs in the town, what color the temple floats are. They're not as important as they sometimes take that space up in our head and, and, and you know, get your perspective. That would be a bechina. That's not, it doesn't, you know, you don't pick up the star and do something with it, but you can take a lesson from it. And so too many other things, you know, you know Shlomo Melch says, go look at the ant. Right? So it doesn't have to be that the ant is one day going to crawl up someone's leg and bite them, you know, as a, as a punishment for something. It doesn't have to be that. It could just be that it gives us an opportunity to examine it and to learn uh, lessons that we can learn, and it could be both, and it could be sometimes like this and sometimes like that. Um, so, but, but that is a valid use, that is a valid excuse, let's say, for something to exist, is that we can study it and gain inspiration from it, that would also explain why it could be. But it's not for itself, it's there because it uh, enhances the existence of this Iker Bria in some way that allows it to fulfill its job. So that the final purpose can be uh, successfully found. The And therefore they are called um, uh, subservient and secondary. As he's going to point out, well, he's going to say no, so let's just read it. That main creation. Is the species of man. He does not say Jews. He says man in general. Um, there, there is a question in the Rishonim about about um, how early in the process um, did people start getting peeled off as not being the main people. The Kuzri seems to learn from very early that that. Shays was a, a, a different type of person than uh, Kain and Havel were, and he was created more fitting to inherit the mantle of Adam Rishon than Kain and Havel were. Um, it seems that there are many other Rishon that disagree. Um, the, the way Darachal is going to put it, at least until the Darachal um it was the mantle of being the purpose of creation was open to everyone. Uh, from the beginning, Hashem saw Yisrael, that there was going to be a Klal Yisrael, right? the Shvili Yisrael, Shemikar Reishis, that's what Hashem created the world. 
But who would inherit that crown? Who would take that title as being Yisrael was still open. It could have been many nations could have been a part of Klai Yisrael. Just like we now have many Shvatim as a part of Klai Yisrael. That it could have been a wider net. And it was only in the time of the Avais that it sort of solidified itself into being what it is today, which is only the children of Avram and Yaakov, and that's because of choices that were made. It's not because of, uh, at least according to what Ramchal expressed it, it's not because of a specific, um, uh, 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 something special about them from their very Bria. Or, or at, least not something, at least not something that wasn't overcomable. Let's put that. So... Um, so here he doesn't say, again, he doesn't mention Jew, he just says mankind in general is that thing which is going to be different than everything else. Everything else exists in order, and mankind is the purpose of creation. Whether it is something like Malachim, which are on an on a objective level, certainly than a person when he's in this world, even though Masil Sharm and, and Rabbi many places says that both before it comes down to this world and in the Yemaisa Mashiach, the Neshama is much greater than a Malach. And the Neshama is the, is the most, uh, let's say, the most heavenly thing in existence. It's Hashem, the Tarion, and the Neshama. That's, that's the, the and, and Malachim are someplace lower down than that. But certainly, once the Neshama gets fused with a body, it's way less than a Malach is. And, and um, so the Malachim, so, you know, when you look at Hashem, you say, Malachim is so much bigger, so much closer to Hashem, yet it is still a tuffle to the person, and it only exists because of people. The Malachim were created in order to facilitate the avoidah of people, and not the other way around, and not independent. That Malachim have some independent existence, independent reason of existing. They do not. Now, just like um, animals, don't realize that the, um, the reason that they exist is for us. Uh, when, when, they, when the Madrashim at times will talk about animals wanting and desiring to serve a tzaddik, and Sashar mentions it at the beginning, we find the rocks trying to get on the yacht's head. That's not talking about the, uh, the object of the rock or the physical being of the animal, it's referring to the malach that's in charge of the animal, which understands what its purpose is. The, the animal does not. So too, there are, there are beings that um, uh, may be looked at potentially as being greater than us, who don't understand that we're the purpose. Shadim um, are, are really, the reason why Shadim, it seems, in most cases, do damage, is not because they're uh, evil, in a sense that they're seeking to do damage. And, or mischievous, I would say. Let's say they're not, that's not what they are. They just, they're indifferent to humans. They're bigger than we are, stronger than we are in most cases, more spiritual, not, not as a more David Pashem, just more um, less tied to the visible world. And they look at themselves as being superior to humans. And therefore, if you don't bother them, so it's you know, similar to the way we are with bugs. Um, we view ourselves as superior to a bug. So if it doesn't bother us, okay, it goes on its way. And if it gets in the way, we swat it. That's the way Shadim seem to act. Um, they don't get it that, they're, that we're the purpose and they're not. Because in a certain way they're like an animal. Although they're, they're many, many of them are highly intelligent, but many are not, it seems. And those are the ones you can run into problems with. Um, the Ashmedai, the Gemara says, when 
you know, looked for opportunities to help Tzadikim because he understood that that was a thing that would bring schus. What schus means for Hashem is a different story, but, but it was certainly something that would be beneficial for him because it would enhance his connection, bring him closer to having something to do with the purpose of creation as opposed to just being, uh, again, something that's there for the song. But the, it seems like the average shade, or at least some shade, don't get that. But that doesn't change the fact that Lamaisa were the purpose and they're not. And Benashvel and Menos, certainly, those uh, things which are lower than us, so are also there for, um, only because of how they somehow enhance the human experience. Enem el they're there because of us, Lahashlamas in Yonai, to bring to completion our purpose. Harabois, this one means aspects, and all the different aspects, Vashainois, Harois, Limatsbaham, that are that are fit to be found amongst them. Ukimoi, Shavara, Oi, Lufnim, Siatashwan, as he will explain further, that's Hashem. Okay, now we mentioned way back that one of the ways you could see when the Ramkal is saying a Chiddush is to uh, is you have to say what you would say before he says it. Because after he says it, it sounds so pashat that you forget that you would have never said something like that. And, and if someone told it to you, you'd say, what? No way. So we said, we asked, uh, I think it was like six weeks ago, five weeks ago maybe, what is the opposite of a mitzvah? So I'm sure everyone did their homework. <laughs> what is the opposite of a mitzvah? So the, the, the feeling is... You're allowed to cheat. <laughs> we discussed this on Shabbos. But the, the opposite, you think it's an Avera. But it's not. He says like this, Behine, ha-ha-scholo, um, well, he doesn't say mitzvah either, but ha-ha-scholo, becoming someone driven by seichel. A person who acts based on intelligence rather than on feelings or uh, emotions. Not that feeling and emotions are to be ignored, they're a real thing, it's just not how you make your decisions. The Chol HaMidois HaToyves, and all the good Midois, Heim in Yonei Shleimos, those are the aspects that, those are the various things that bring to Shleimos. Sheninsu Heshkalim Behem Adam, which a person can find to make himself a Shalim. Ve'in Yonei Choymer Midois HaRoyz, and physicality, and, and bad Midois, those are the aspects of Chisar. What does he mean by physicality? As I mentioned, the Ramchal um, is amongst those who hold that Olam Haba, the, the eternal Olam Haba, forever and ever, will be a, a, a Neshama together with the body. What that body is like is, is a different story, but there is some aspect of body. So the body itself is not what he's referring to. When he says choymer, chumrius, he doesn't mean the fact that you are attached to physical. It means an emotional attachment to physicality. When a person is drawn towards physicality, when they see that as being part of their essence, when it, they self-identify using physical, um, whether physical um, objects or physical cause and effects, that's how they, that is their... Um, bedrock view of the, of the world and themselves, so that separates them from Hashem. Right? Hashem is not physical, and not attached to the physical, and if our purpose in this world is to become dovuk by Hashem, 
when a person is misdabek in something other than Hashem, so um, if it's one, uh, depending on how you're trying to be misdabek, it might be Abba Yitzhara, but it certainly pulls you away from Hashem. It's, it becomes a block in your ability to connect to Hashem. So again, that could be something like a person who loves eating food. So, uh, and that, again, that's even without eating the food, just it, that's something they like to think about a lot, and they dream about it and imagine, and, and they start salivating, and they think about sandwiches and other stuff. So that is something which, can, which draws them away from Hashem. And seeing the world in physical terms is something which draws a person away from Hashem. So the example we gave uh, earlier, if someone, if someone says, why did this person die? Okay, somebody doesn't know what you're talking about, what they're asking you, you know, it could, it could be the annoying guy who always answers not the way the guy means, but, but if, you, if, if in your head, when you think about why he died, it's a physical cause, so then you are emotionally, intellectually uh, attached to this world. This world is by you the, the, the real one. And, and um, you know, you understand that there's like mechanisms there, but you, in your heart, you're attached to this world. And that's going to be a process that needs cleaning off in order for you to properly attach to Hashem. In Olam HaEmes, in Olam HaBa, the reason why the person died is because of Skusim, Averis, whatever Cheshboinis there are. And that reality needs to become your emotional reality before you can properly connect to Hashem. Because He's the source of that, and you're seeing the source as something other than Hashem. So right now you're emotionally attached to a different idea other than Hashem. So, um, and certainly Midas Rois uh, are, are a very real thing. Again, we, we mentioned that two years ago, that it was last year, I don't know, that the, uh, a person has to realize that um, Yiddishkeit is not just about um, actions. Of course it is about actions. A person cannot say that I, I love Hashem, and, but I'm not going to do the things he said to do. Um, a person can say, I love Hashem, I fear Hashem, I care about Hashem, I have all the proper emotions, but, you know, he doesn't like when I do something, I'll do it anyway. That obviously makes no sense. It, it belies the, the emotions you're saying you feel for Hashem. But it's also not enough to just do the actions. And it's, it's not just like, it's not enough. It's manish, not enough. It's, it, it, re- some of the Chalazos are real human. They're things you have to do. And, and some of them, and, and all of them, certainly tremendously affect the, um, the difference in the quality of, what you're, of, of your action. Uh, again, I don't want to be the one to pass in it, but there seem to be strong indications that if a person does a mitzvah, Shalai Lushma, the reward for it is not going to be in Alam It's going to be in this world. Because what does that mean when a person does a mitzvah shalal So let's say he does it because he wants to get uh, uh, paid. Right? Someone's going to pay him to do this mitzvah. So what, when he does the mitzvah, what is he being misdabbing to? What is he attaching himself to? He's attaching himself to money. He's saying, I'm doing this for L'shem money. So... Um, what he gets is maybe money, or what he gets, he gets to be attached to this world. Now, because he's doing mitzvahs, so Hashem will reward him that he gets a good life in this world. But, in order to get on Haba, in order to get attachment to Hashem, you have to attach to Hashem. 
should be pretty obvious, but but again, it, as long as you understand that the, the, we have what, what we were calling the more uh, simplistic understanding of Omhaba is that it's tokens and gear cash in for your Omhaba. So why is it, uh, if it's Shalala Shema, also give me Omhaba. It's not such a good token, a smaller token, different color token. But we understand that Omhaba is just a revelation of what you were doing in this world. It's what did you make of yourself? If you attached yourself to Hashem, you're attached to Hashem. Hashem just removes the curtain. And now, what do we have here? We have you being attached to Hashem. If you didn't attach Hashem, you didn't. So, so it has to, so, the, in, in uh, Lubavitch, there was a, there was a, there was a, there was a, big and he was apparently someone who had a tremendous understanding of Hasidus. So the, the Hasidim used to say, the average, the average Chassid's understanding of Hasidus compared to Rebbe Chimasmed is, is, uh, is like a cat compared to a human. So, but Rebbe Chimasmed is compared to Rebbe's is like a cat compared to a human. And compared to the Rebbe, we're both the same cat. Also Rebbe Chimasmed are the same. And it's not even worth differentiating. You know, it's like saying my house is a little bit taller than your house. So compared to the, you know, the Freedom Tower, they're the same. They're, they're the same size. The, the little, you know, 10 foot difference at that height doesn't matter anymore. It's true that um, not doing mitzvahs versus doing mitzvahs, there's a tremendous gap between those two. But it, it would seem that the gap between doing mitzvahs and doing mitzvahs with the full Hislavas, Kavana, Ratzalas, Dabe, Tahara, Kedusha, and all the other things that ways that a person can do a mitzvah is a greater gap than the gap between not doing mitzvahs and doing mitzvahs. Doing mitzvahs is the, is the, is the bottom. That's till then, you haven't done anything. But there's such a gigantic world of mitzvahs, of, you know, again, if, if it's, you know, not doing the mitzvahs is a zero, doing the mitzvahs is a one. And then there's a trillion that you can get to within a mitzvah. The Gemara, when it wants to, when it goes through the Talmidim of, of uh, Hillel, so on the bottom one, so it gives his it gives his tremendous knowledge of all things Torah, and he knew every every area of Torah and even those that are not you know openly in the Torah. But Soed Hashem Lireyav, Zichas Malchayshares, Mesholim, all different zakhim. He knew. So what's the next level up? So the next level up, when the Torah wants to describe the greatest of the Talmudim, it doesn't say that he had more Torah. It, it seems to speak about the Kedusha of his Torah, the purity of his Torah. It was so pure that it created a fire similar to what there was in Harsinai. And if a bird flew over and said, well, I was learning, and you a zeal, it would incinerate the bird. Once you reach a certain level and you're doing everything you're supposed to, there's still endless levels, right? We don't look at it and say, look, we know, right, if you do this, like, the, the regression thing. We know the Chavz Chaim, right, was amazingly great. But it, compared to the Vilna Goyim, right, not me talking, that's him, him talking, he's a nothing. The Vilna Goyim, compared to the early Rishayim, right, the, the, that's not me talking, it's Rechaim Velazhen talking, right, they say Rechaim Velazhen and Shabbos only spoke in Hebrew. Velazhen not Hebrew. And, and once he was talking about the Grah, this not Eden, he said that the Grah was, uh, you know, Rashba, I think it is, Ulek Rambam. And they said, what about Rashi? So he switched out of, he said, <laughs> No, that not. You can't do that. 
And Rashi was obviously, you know, and the Nevi'im connected the Ovais. So now, well, <laughs> again, if so, there's so many darkness, it must mean the Chavzkam is a nothing. Right? But, I did everything I was supposed to. So that means if you're to level down, so you're not doing everything you're supposed to. You're doing some Averis and not doing all the mitzvahs. And you go further down, you're doing that. So that, that means the Chavzkam had nothing left to do, he was doing Averis the whole day and no mitzvahs. Obviously, that's not true. We know the Chavzkam was nearly perfect. In, in, his, in what the outer aspect of his avoida. He didn't do averis, and he did every mitzvah he could possibly do. Uh, so then, so the, how could there be? What was, where's all those madrigas? There it says they're not on the outer act of the madriga, they're on the inner act of the madriga. How with Hashem are you, right? The, it's the first sif in Shachar. Shivisi Hashem So, what does that mean, Ma'ilasatzadikin? That means the the mile of what makes one tzaddik more than another tzaddik is how much shidisi Hashem is there. How in front of me, how all-encompassing is that sense that Hashem, with all that what Hashem means, is in front of my eyes all the time and motivates all my behaviors. Uh, the, 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 I heard from Bravda, he said that by the Akedah, so Avraham is about to shach Yitzchok, according to desire, he's already halfway through the Maizah Shkita. And the Malach tells him, Avraham, Avraham. So his marshal was, if you have like a bus careening down a hill, you know, and, and then he sees, you know, something comes across, you have like a, a locomotive, you know, one of these, uh, the ones that carries stuff, it's going 40 miles an hour, or 30 miles an hour. And then something comes onto the, the thing, it takes a mile to stop the train. You can't stop, stop, okay. I heard, I re-looked it up again because it sounds so weird, but they say the super tankers, um, they turn off their engines once they're 50 miles offshore, and the rest of the time they're just going with the momentum. They're so massive, it, it takes so long to stop them. That, again, it sounds crazy to me that you could get across the Atlantic that way, but, and, and especially with the waves, I don't know, there's a lot of friction there, but, but as they state, I rechecked it up and it says, it, that's what it says. But, but certainly the idea is true. To turn one of those boats around is a, is a day. So you can get to stop, and, and that's with a turn. To just make a, a straight stop, you can't. So here, yeah, is putting a tremendous amount of spiritual uh, effort into the maister of the thing, of, of the Akedah. And, and the Malcolm says, Avram, Avram. It should have been either finish off what you're doing, or just like, wow, you want to build something here. And his reaction is like, yeah. But it's like a stop on the dawn. How do you do that? The only way is if as he's doing everything that he's doing, but there's a constant running in the back saying, and why is the Shem one for me now? And why is the Shem one for me now? And why is the Shem one for me now? And as soon as there's a bing, it, that's, he's waiting for it. Yes. It's, it's, not, it's not a steerer to what he's doing. There was no, Abram didn't build up momentum and then go run through a brick wall for Hashem. He walked through a brick wall for Hashem. And each step he took, is this what you want from me right now? Is this what you want from me right now? And each breath he breathed in, is this what you want from me right now? And it was a constant state of, of Shivisi Hashem Lenegi Somid Manish in everything that he did. That's, those are the differences. Uh, you know, in between, between 
the Doris are Yishonim and our and our generation is the Kedusha and Tara and and focus with which their Avoda was done. Additionally, certain aspects of 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 actual practice where they were just you know the, the Zuzis in, in the way they did things in it. Right, uh, the Revelio Opian, um, you know, famously, uh, people couldn't keep up with him. When, when he wanted to go someplace fast, he would, he would walk, and people had, were running behind him many years his junior, and they couldn't keep up with him. He was a tremendous Zaris. Um, so that, that there's certain, you know, to, to reach in and pull out all of your koiches, what, what people do, you know, you hear these stories about the adrenaline rush, what they're able to accomplish, um, or, or you know, people under pressure. You know, there's those of us who work well on a deadline, right? And we can't really get anything done until we get pushed up against that, that last day of studying or the last day when the project needs to be finished. And suddenly there's this burst of inspiration and, and the, the creative juices start flowing. Um, that, that comes from a lack of focus and motivation up till that point. And we need the outside um, focusing tool of it must be done by tomorrow. And maybe the fact that you're on your 16th coffee and two Red Bulls and then suddenly inspiration strikes. Now you just have to figure out, you know, what that winged monkey was saying that gave you the inspiration, whatever, but uh, the visions you were seeing late at night. But, but if a person was properly dedicated and saw every moment as this is the last moment for this moment, so you would always be on the deadline. Uh, on a much lower level, Rebelsky once told us in share, he says, I, I only do things at the last minute. Because if it, if it wasn't the last minute, I'd be doing something else that's at the last minute. If you're a busy enough person, there's always something that's at a deadline right now. And a person who's focused enough realized that every second of your life is a deadline. Did I do with this second everything I could? And there's no, there, it, it, it is the last moment to do that right now. And obviously, you know, to live that way always is uh, is a little too stressful for us. But to try, even if if not in moments, but in in larger periods of time, to recognize, you know, that a day is a real thing. The Chavetz Chaim writes that a person should live every day as if today is the only day. You learn every blot as if this is the only blot. And he had one other thing that I remember. But, but... You know, I could from just why we're taking for granted that there'll be a tomorrow. I mean, it's a shame that for all of us there should be, but but um, it's just it. Dasla has a beautiful poetic piece where he, he says vidoy on ma'achet and and mefarid separating things that were meant to be together and putting together things that were meant to be separate. So. Um, he says the only reason why a person allows himself to just waste time is because he looks at life as one big time. So there's a lot of it, you know, it's, I'm, not, I'm not wasting my life. I'm just wasting a few moments of my life. It's about, that's not how Hashem made the world. Hashem made the world with a, where we have a, 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 a sense of passing time, that there are moments in time. So Hashem was mafare time. He made it into pieces. And by we sin by putting it together and using that as an excuse to not recognize the value of each individual moment. So we have to try to work a little bit to be mafarid and back up. And instead of looking at our life as one big life or a year as one big year, but to try to look at it as yeah, each day 
as this is a today. What was my plan for today? And two of the rabbeim in yeshiva were uh, one was asking the other one. He says, "Do you have one of those Abish Rabbi Abi Shulman papers?" So uh, this Abi Shulman paper is uh, Abi Shulman is someone who uh, uh, I don't know if he officially is labeled as a life coach, but that sort of type of thing, how to make people be more efficient at growing in Yiddishkeit and just in doing their jobs in general. So it's a paper that has on it um, a schedule for for each. You know, it has the seven days a week. Well, he has a special part of the class how you fold the papers that there's always one day showing and it's split the day itself is split into let's say four pieces and you're supposed to on on uh, on let's say sit down and plan the week what do i need to accomplish on sunday on monday on tuesday wednesday thursday friday shabbos and then some things may come up during the week so you'll add them into the calendar and on the back you know there's like oh, if you heard any good vart so you could a place to write it in if you had a, you know, a thought about something, if there's someone that you saw that needs help, you know, things that you want to remind yourself of, that you don't want to forget. And, you know, as you go from, you know, the next week and you realize that you're taking stuff from the paper and just putting on the next week's paper, so you realize that you're not, there's things that you put down here that you were supposed to do that you didn't do. And when you find yourself doing that for like four weeks in a row, so you have to start asking yourself, why are these things not getting done? Is it, am I being inefficient? Uh, do I not? Do I have some inner thing that's making me not want to take care of these things, which I say that I need to take care of, etc. But the idea of being deliberate about your life and not just um, letting it overwhelm you. I remember once seeing uh, a, a, a clip of a guy. Right, no videos. A clip. There was a guy who um, he walked into a China store. And someone walked by and handed him a tennis racket. And he looks and looks and then tennis balls started shooting out and like breaking a piece of china. So for some reason, because he was handed a tennis racket, he now felt that it was his responsibility to save the china shop. So he's jumping around trying to block the tennis balls. And you know, they start shooting them out way too fast. And he's like, ah! And whatever, he gets very overwhelmed by it. Or, or alternatively, if you have ever played ping pong against someone way better than you, right? So the, the best you like to hope for is to stick your paddle out and like the, the ball will hit it and bounce back over the net. Just so that he can bite or slam it on you and you'll be out on the second turn instead of the first turn. You're, you're, you're totally on defense. You're not, you're getting, you're getting played. You're not playing the game. Um, so we often find ourselves getting lived by life instead of living life. We're totally in, in react mode. There's no plan. What will the day throw at me today? And let's hope that I have the quick enough reflexes to figure out the correct way to respond to that. that that's, not, that's not proper. The proper would be for a person to have a plan. This is my plan for today now. Part of your plan has to be to understand that your plan isn't going to work out. And that things will change from the plan. And you have to remain fluid. And sometimes having too firm a plan gets in the way. And that's the thing that trips you up. Because it's too hard for you to turn. So the plan is just an outline based on what will I change from and, and do something different, but at least it's a plan. And assuming that things do go according to the plan, you can actually accomplish things. Uh, sometimes we find like it, um, we're waiting for the next crisis because that's the, only, that's the only way we can get ourselves to do something is when a deadline comes, when something forces me to do. But if 
if nothing's forcing me, I just sit around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is weather tonight? Right? There's no plan of what to do. Uh, you know, you can find this, let's say, um, if you, you know, you're studying for uh, in whatever field it is, you're studying for like some sort of test or, or you know, something that where they're going to certify you. So you're sort of driven to study it and to study it and to study it. And then you take the test, you pass the test. And now what? Right? Let's say you're a lawyer. So you're studying for your LSATs, whatever. So you're studying certain law things. That stuff you have to know anyway, or some of it, I'm sure, you have to know. And there's more law to study. And I'm sure you will at some point, but because you lost the focus of, of having the test and the curriculum, so now you don't know what to do with yourself. So you have to make a project for yourself. Okay, well, you know what? I, I, I see that I'm a little weak. You know, I passed the test, but I'm a little weak in tort law. So let me go, you know, so figure out what the best books on tort law are, and I'll be my own tort law. Now you have a plan. So now you don't just sit there twiddling your thumbs. You go, and when you have free time, right, the Rav speaks about this uh, a lot, is that a person should have uh, their, a free time safer. You should have a limud, a go-to limud, you know, when nothing's happening, you're sitting around by a chas and waiting for the chas to come out, right? You don't know anyone there to shmuz with. So, whether you, or not you have the safer in your pocket, but at least in your head, to have like a, a certain idea that, you know, of what it's a bar, the kasha, the the parasha, something to toy with. I, I hope it's a very good idea that a person on Matzah Shabbos should look at the coming week's parasha, you know, flip through, uh, find, you know, take out some safer and find a few kashas. Yes, don't look at the truths. See the kasha. And this is what you have in your head, if you need it, a good kasha. If you sit down next to someone, you need to make a conversation, you have a kasha that you can talk about. And if you sit down next to nobody, and you have to make a conversation with yourself, you have a good kasha to talk about. And instead of just, your mind just wandering off to nothing. These things happen because we're not focused enough on the purpose of each moment and making sure that we use them well. Let's just finish off the paragraph. Um... A person is placed between these two options, whether to turn himself into a sholem um, and, and, and uh, by acquiring midas toivais and haskola uh, to become someone who is a barasaychol, or to remain with the bad midas which, with which he was born and possibly acquire new ones. And, uh, and to become someone who is drawn after this world, litnais loy hashlemos. With the purpose being to acquire the shlemos in the by again by removing himself from those things which are separated from Hashem and acquiring those things which bring him closer.